0: Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy's Show and Tell. This is the show where we bring on cool guests to talk about cool things that they're working on. Tonight's cool guests are none other than Catherine and Hakan of Thorny Games, and the cool thing that we're here to talk about is Xeno language. All right, welcome.
1: Thank you. Stoked to be here, Tom.
2: Yeah, very excited. Thanks for having us, Tom
0: i'm excited that like i was saying before i'm excited that you all reached out to michael to come on this show and talk about this because you all have a new game and everybody wants to talk about new games we all love new games and i was told you all before that xeno language it just evokes so much stuff it's such a great name
1: play with it on the tongues no language
0: No, right just <laughs> yeah, let I it we just let it flow that's so the game.
1: People... that's
2: the game yeah uh, it. well it'll be the it'll be our most said word for probably the next few months so we're glad that
0: it's uh <laughs> it's one yeah, that at has... least you 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 yeah you you picked a word that was fun to say so <laughs> before we really get rolling uh for anyone who doesn't uh know you all uh Catherine, we're going to start off with you then Inter- introduce yourself and then also, go to tell us, what is Thorny Games?
1: Yeah, gladly. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Catherine. I, I am overall just a general playful person, uh, and uh, I love to find play in music and language, in games, uh, and that is what ultimately led me to be part of Thorny Games. Uh, and we are an indie game studio based out of Berkeley, California, and we make... Live action and tabletop games um, that help people tell epic stories together.
0: Very cool. Some very good games, I must say. All right, Hakan. Um, what about what about yourself? A lot in common with Kate. Okay, <laughs> um, <laughs> you so, do work for the same game company. Well, we're we're also
2: married. Kate's just downstairs as we're recording this, of course.
1: It helps. It's a family game company.
2: Yep, exactly. Um, and uh, yeah, we've been uh, we really discovered. Uh, NTRPGs in particular. Uh, I forget when, at a Gen Con, maybe like six, seven years ago by now, I think, something like that. It was like our very first one. We just kind of like uh, shambled up to uh, indie games on demand for the first time. We had heard some nice things about it, and uh, it really kind of changed our lives from that point on, and we've been super involved with it, and uh, you know, made our first games, Dialect and Sign, by now probably like uh, four or five years ago, something like that. I've been going hard at it ever since,
0: so. Fantastic. I mean, you go to a convention, you know, just going to have a good time. The next thing you know, you own a game company. Right? <laughs> so
1: it's, a, it's just tumbling down that rabbit hole. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. One of the, like, I want to, one of the things that I'd like to ask people to really get to know them is, so, Hakan, in the last year or so, or recently, is there a tabletop RPG game that you've been playing that, or you have played or got to try, that you just really loved? Oh, gosh. For for those
2: of you fortunate enough to be listening to this in the far distant future, so I'm out of context, is that we're, of course, uh, on month six of quarantine uh, as of recording. <laughs> um, which means what I've been able to play has been drastically different than what I was able to play beforehand. Um, before all of this hit, and I was playing games in my more regular... like. Uh, weekly, uh, in-person groups. We were playing a lot of games, like uh, The King is Dead uh, was one that was a big favorite at the moment, just like super fast-paced, booklet-based games, really experimenting with that new feel. Love kind of the uh, more narrative stuff that's always coming out of the Pacific Northwest. Uh, The um, uh, Epitaph, which just kick-started, is a wonderful game that I got to playtest a handful of times. And more recently I've been playtesting game uh ross cammon's working on uh, city of winter on a kind of weekly basis which has been uh, really really wonderful really looking forward to that coming out soon too
0: fantastic yeah those narrative games are so great to play just online with friends are so easy to to pick up and and try out. Hmm. So that's cool. Uh, and Catherine, what about you? what about yourself? Are you playing different games? Are you hopping into Hakan's games, or what's <laughs> going on there?
1: We've been surprisingly playing different games. I think it's just because there's so many different folks you can play with now, just uh, since uh, so much is happening online. Um, I've been really into uh, a lot of narrative games too, uh, just because that is so much our jam, um, and uh, you know it, it works well to be able to connect with people that way. But um, I've really loved playing. This one game called um, Wizard Wizard's Grimoire. It's by the the same folks that uh, designed uh, The King Is Dead and Apocalypse World and all of those um, great, well known titles. Um, but the the core, I guess, uh, like magic in it is that there's, it's single player driven where, you know, you're telling a story, but you recruit GMs who don't know uh, about your previous sessions, uh, but uh, are kind of propped up to help uh, you explore um, a new adventure and a pathway and like define your character as you go. So single one shots, get a big taste of something. um, And what's awesome about it uh, to play is that you'll Like I've played as a GM now a couple of times. You'll dive into somebody's adventure and then kind of help them concoct it. And then you'll leave them and they'll go off and have a lot of other adventures with different GMs. And then they'll come back to you and you're like, what has happened to you since I last saw you? And you get to like, you know, relive the little dangling story bits. And yeah, it's been great.
0: That sounds awesome. It's it's different. That sounds super cool. Real big collaborative experience. Yes,
1: definitely that.
0: So with that all said, I think it's safe to say then you all definitely like narrative games. So let's talk then about Xenolanguage, this new game that you all have coming out. And so I need to know what is it's what is everybody hates that like it's so like business or whatever. But what's the elevator pitch for Xenolanguage? Who wants to take this one? Sell me, Yeah,
1: (laughs) I can start and then and then maybe we can tag off. How about that? Yes. Okay. So we're in the elevator together. Uh, And I (laughs) sidle up to you. Um, And I say, (laughs) friends, uh, let me tell you about a game. Let me tell you about Xenolanguage. (laughs) So um, Xenolanguage is a tabletop story game, so definitely narrative-based, about first contact with alien life, messy human relationships, uh, and then what happens when they all mix together. So, uh at its real like core beating heart, you play to explore these close relationships that you have with other characters who are also on the mission with you as you uncover meaning in uh, an alien language. It's a single session game, so you tell a full story uh in the course of maybe 3 to 4 hours uh and you can play with 2 to 4 folks.
2: And one of the things that's really unique about it is uh As you uncover the salient language, right, there are symbols on a central board that you, piece by piece, are deciphering the meaning of. And the way that you actually communicate with the aliens is through channeling. Uh, So there's a central planchette-like lens that everyone touches uh, that you make patterns with, you know, similar to uh, other channeling rituals that you might do. And that's how you actually get to hear from the aliens.
0: So... With a a cha- so this this board so i'm jumping around but so you have a channeling board mm-hmm. all right is this something that is like a physical piece that will be we will be able to get on kickstarter or something
1: yes totally this is a box game uh so it will come with a board it's card driven uh and a GM-less game i should say so for folks who oh that's with. cool yeah so y'all have like equal narrative authority at what's happening on the table. Um, and also, the, you know, there's no prep in that sense, which is nice. But the whole idea is that there is this board of mysterious alien origin and alien symbols um, you know, that's in front of all of you. And as you receive communication from the aliens and then later interpret it, um, you will be channeling over this board um, as a core mecha- a mechanism and in interaction. And then as the game goes on, you will slowly reveal more details and discover kind of what is behind the board as you begin to discover more about what the aliens is saying.
0: Okay, it almost sounds like there's almost a uh, there's a narrative element, but also almost like a puzzle element to it as well. Mm-hmm.
2: There's a lot of yeah. uh, it, there's people interpreting uh, what has come out of the channeling board, right? And because when we're channeling, right, uh, we're all kind of using our subconsciouses and these micro movements that were all like you know favoring certain symbols uh there's this puzzle of like what was our unconscious kind of trying to say to us through these alien symbols as players at the table that we're doing in addition to the characters actually trying to figure out what the aliens are saying um so yeah definitely a bit of a puzzling but it's not a puzzle we've written right it's a puzzle that's coming out during play
0: yeah, it's whenever you open anything up to interpretation at the table, like you get all sorts of crazy experiences. That's, that's, that's pretty cool um, design you got there. Uh, but I wonder, so, what is the inspiration that um, Hakan for Xena Language, not just for the, the whole idea of aliens and humans, but also why did you really want to? Why was this the game that you wanted to make?
2: Well, language has been have, our muse in terms of game design for a while now. Uh, our previous two games, Dialect and Sign, are both very language-based and also explore language from the perspective of the people who make it, right? Uh, What does it say about them? What do the things that make them special inform about their language? And so for... For language, we definitely came at it from a perspective of like, this is something that's really special and we don't think we've finished the story on. And so we want to keep exploring language as a core piece of gameplay. There's also so much media that like really inspired us on this subject. In particular, uh, Ted Chang's Stories of Your Life, uh, as well as the movie Arrival and other movies as well that explore kind of like more human aspects of alien contact uh, have always been things that really spoke to us very, very deeply and so we knew we wanted to make a game about this for a while the channeling part kind of came very suddenly i think kate kind of just like uh said it one day as we were like walking around the lake at our old place and it just seemed like such a perfect fit uh, because in all of our games we really want players to go through this process of building understanding of something that they only partially understood before, then really able, be able to appreciate like this complex thing that they built together. But also in a game with aliens, you need to hear from the aliens and we don't really make GM games. So at least not yet. And a channeling board is like the, the oldest form of, I don't know, a GM-less narrative game, Uh, right? Like,
0: or like one of them.
1: Ultimate collaborative storytelling, right? You're all like, it's like the physicalized version of collaborative storytelling, which um, which is really cool to explore.
0: Yeah, I, was. I mean, that's one of my favorite things about dialect, and is just that you, how much you create at the table um, with that game, and so. But with this, also with this game, there's this element of you all are playing humans, correct? Yes. So we have this. We have this outside force the the alien how much does the the aliens actually interact then with the story and how does this how does the alien interact with the game other than it just providing a language
1: yeah uh i so the alien like a lot of this game what, what you find is actually sort of um a reflection of how the alien makes you appreciate different sides of yourself right there's a bunch of people that um like the setup of the game is that you uh are a bunch of people with backstories together that are intimately tied and that you have unresolved questions with each other. And you go into this experience then, which is like an epic otherworldly experience. Um, And as you collectively have it, what you find is that the key to understanding this alien language actually lies in the memory of the peoples who are there. Like that is sort of the lens by which um, you can understand what the aliens may be saying. So it ends up being almost like a weird mirror, but it's um but it's a it's a distorted mirror because there is alien there. And so in playing the game, you have people as characters kind of reflect on their past to inform like what actually uh, is the meaning behind some of these symbols on the board, but then also like learn from what they extrapolate from the board to, to change how they see. So it's this kind of weird like feed in like give and take, push and pull I guess between the board and the aliens. Uh, and the experience of first contact itself is, is something we really wanted to be immersive for people as they were playing. And so the way that that is kind of physicalized on the board is through channeling right where everyone actually touches this custom made planchette like lens uh, and then here and then um, traces over and finds like the path that that that, that lens uh, covers and tracks. But then another element to really deepen the immersion there is um, a custom soundtrack, which we found to just really help to ground people in the experience and kind of get into the meditative, uh, contemplative part of what it would be to actually... Touch, uh, you know, something that is beyond us. And, um, we got to work with some really cool sound designers who typically don't work on tabletop games at all. Um, so we worked with one game studio that, uh, does a lot of indie video games, things like Untitled Goose Game or Wander Song, if you know that. And, um, so they helped, uh, us make some pretty gnarly, uh, alien language soundtracks, uh, that, that help, uh, play and really ground, uh, and immerse folks, um, when they do
0: touch the alien. That's awesome. So when it, when I start thinking about um, like sound within the game, I'm just, yeah, I am thinking about a very immersive game. Uh, but then when you start playing with, there's so many different forms of aliens in, in media. So I know that, is there, what's the tone of this game? I know in dialect, you can kind of, you could do the tone a lot of different ways. Can I have in this game, can I have very, goofy aliens or am I, are we just going to be restricted to this very, um, uh, more artistic thought provoking essence of arrival?
2: In Xeno language generally, because the game isn't about the aliens, the game is about the humans, right? And mm-hmm. giving you a different view on the language through, uh, or giving a different view on the, the humans lives through the language. Um, the aliens themselves Right, You you talk about them, and you define various parts of them as the game goes on through these cards. But the main way that they interact with the story is not by like taking physical action. It's by showing us what the individual symbols mean by awakening these memories in the players. So the way that the deciphering phase of the game actually works is you have all these chits in the board that are the alien symbols, right? The alien wants to teach you what they mean, right? The aliens are in their craft, and you can't really see them other than hints. But to tell you what they mean, they awaken memories in the scientists where something happens in that memory that we don't have good language for in English or whatever language we're playing in. The the players then role-play out that scene, right? Something that's happened in their past together. And then they pick out something from that memory, something important that we don't have language for in English, but that is what the aliens were trying to get at by awakening that memory in them again. And so the aliens are much more kind of, like, this guiding hand for the players to have them understand the language rather than, like, entities that are destroying Mm -hmm. cities, right? That, like, we have to deal with. Um, So from that perspective, it's, like, they might be wacky, but they'll probably come out more so in, like, the memories and meanings for the symbols themselves rather than like a bunch of bouncy purple things jumping out of a
0: spaceship. Yeah. Right. For sure. They with that said though, it sounds like the the whole idea of contemplating memories and whatnot, that what sort of experience do you want the player to have then at the table? So Catherine, with somebody sits down for a game of Xenolanguage, what do you really want them to get out of it then other than you know have fun and you know have a good time with your friends and tell a cool story but is there anything that you're really trying to use this game to evoke
1: yeah i think that i by the end of it like i think it's a session in sort of like soulful sci-fi in the sense that it's more humanistic sci-fi um and so it's like telling um getting a much deeper idea about Uh, a person a character that you create at the table and the connections they have with other people really fundamentally um and how that morphs and changes as they go through like this otherworldly experience together and so i think that in playing the game you've really like you should see how the character that you embody like actually sees the world themselves and their relationships differently by by the end of it uh and i think there's this journey of um, experiencing the alien and then coming out the other side that, that people will, will get. Um, uh, and that, that's, that's the design. And also for a single session. We're, we're really big into kind of single session games ourselves, just given that that is uh, kind of so much of how we play. Uh, I'm sure that there are various kinds of hacks you could do on a system like this, so it could be a prolonged campaign. But, but really, like, the idea to tell a satisfying different um, story uh, at a table collaboratively that uh, that is really, like, has mechanics designed and supported for this particular kind of story within three to four hours is the goal.
0: Yeah, I love that. What's Having these single-session games and games that aren't just like, yeah, you can do a one-shot, but it's actually specifically designed to play in one session. You get that. It's really satisfying. And then also, the next game, we can play another game. So we just try out all sorts of stuff. So that's that's pretty cool. With Xenolanguage, uh the is it like what's the time frame like in a session? Is this like a scientist, they meet the aliens, and is this a short time frame where you're following one character? Is this like a a span of human existence?
2: It's uh it's one character, mainly. Okay. Uh so you're it's the story of uh basically three messages, right, that you get and the process of getting them and the time you spend in between. However, as you're telling the story, because it's all deciphered through the memories, you go through the lifetimes of these characters, right? It's because their past is going to be the key to understanding the language itself. But fundamentally, this is about these particular people and their relationships together. So in that sense, it's much more focused on their lives rather than okay. humanity as a whole.
0: Yeah, I mean, it makes. I think it's easier to connect with that as a connect to one character mm-hmm. instead of, um, I mean, some of my favorite games are games like Microscope and whatnot, where you have this big old span of existence. But being able to just relate with one character is just—it—it seems like it—it it seems like it fits more with this game, which is—which is cool. Yeah, we want uh, this
2: game to be very personal, right? Uh, that's where that came from.
0: I love personal games. You know, you really have to feel that drama. You know, <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> sweet, <laughs> it's sweet right, drama. Really tug on those heartstrings. <laughs> All right. So, um, so Kickstarter. Okay, so you all are aiming for fall of 2020. And what is this? Obviously, we know Dialect was extremely successful Kickstarter, at at least from a, if you were to, if somebody were to Google Dialect, look at the Kickstarter, like numbers-wise. So what are you all... why go back to why go back to Kickstarter and what's your goals then for using Kickstarter here?
1: Yeah, um, I think like Kickstarter it, then it, it's just found such an interesting home for tabletop. Uh, like when we kickstarted beforehand, even now, um, I think that there's just a lot of like just a community around it as well as just a good urgency that, that happens um, when using a platform like that. The other thing that I would say that Kickstarter does and that really just, um, uh, works with us as a, as a game studio is we do a lot of, um, direct to player, uh, like interaction and sales, uh, in that like, uh, there is distributions that we have through game stores You are telling us that you play dialects through your uh, friendly local game store, which is awesome. But, um, but we love being able to reach new people who otherwise wouldn't necessarily find this game, um, just like traversing the, you know, uh, the world at large or by hanging out uh, in a game store. And I think that Kickstarter and like an event and announcement online really allows you to like talk to people who would would love to play something like this and that would be great players of so many other games, but that otherwise wouldn't just stumble on it.
0: So do you all have any of the the Kickstarter details that you can share at this point then?
1: It is uh, imminently coming. Uh, I okay. say. <laughs> yeah,
0: we 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 have strong
2: dates in mind, but of course there's a lot of moving parts that might get caught on each other before
0: that day arrives. So uh so we you mentioned a box set though, right? That just I know you all you've done cards and all sorts of other things before, but obviously adding in a box set that adds a certain level of complexity you have this really cool piece that we get to use at our table yeah. um are you all worried no 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 um <laughs> no no not that question but no so um what are we what can people expect have you all settled on any sort of a uh, price range then for this box set
1: uh so we do have that in mind uh and we have done lots and lots of uh prototyping really up to now yeah. um, uh, which has been great uh we're working with um a lot of folks so like we've actually like we have our, our board actually right here near us um and uh and that has been a journey in and of itself just making sure that it works we're still figuring out exactly price tiering especially pricing yeah. for kickstarter let alone like what will come after it um but uh but it will be you know, the time's ticking, so we'll have those decisions up and ready. By yeah.
2: time so, one thing that's true in general is we do try to make our games really affordable. I mean, dialect launch for like less than thirty bucks, right? For a book in the deck of cards is a hardcover book in the deck of cards is very reasonable. Um, and so that is like uh, we wanna similarly offer really
0: competitive pricing with Sino you know, language too. Absolutely. I'm a sucker for box sets too. So it's just like, I don't know, it's just something about getting a box of stuff that just is so appealing. Oh, I so agree. So I'm, really go- I'm really glad you all are doing it that way. You can
1: shake it, you can pull it, put it on that shelf I see behind you, all that good stuff. Yes,
0: I got so many box sets of stuff down here. The Also, so one of the things that I really wanted to talk about too real quick is the, so Dialect has, it's one of the most beautiful, like, it's just absolutely gorgeous. If you look at it from an art perspective, layout, it's great. So what is the, are you all looking to do something a different? What's the, the look of Xeno language going to, are you trying to really show us through this game? I don't know, how it's hard to describe art in a audio medium like this, <laughs> but what are you all going for? Because I feel like dialect is a very distinct style.
1: Do you want to take this one, Haka?
2: i'll I'll try i
0: know you i'm i can i can see it in your face (laughs) well
2: we we were working with a wonderful artist jason mcphillips who has a really distinctive style onto onto himself and it's a lot of like very tendrally network based iconography generally because we really want to stress this like relationship aspect of it but something that players can really project a lot onto. there are some phases of the game where instead of through memories, they look at symbols and try to like get pieces of meaning just from their initial impressions on them. So he did a lot of really wonderful like complex but beautiful and interpretable symbols that are all part of it. Um, and so yeah it's it's a little harder to put your finger on kind of by design because it's 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 trying to be a little non-standard certainly he comes from like a fine arts background for example so he's not from a kind of like a more traditional kind of tabletop aesthetic
1: i think so symbolist painter different. is his moniker typically yeah yeah, yeah and it's, it's actually such an interesting question that that you asked tom too because i feel like depicting the alien is really hard and we like yep. especially doing it in a convincing way that also uh, feels kind of true to the particular, I don't know, like, uh, tone, because there's so many tones you could go at uh, an Alien game. And so it's been a real exploration um, to, to get to this point. And I think like what Hakan was saying, too, about connection was really our point of inspiration in that the game is about the uh, fundamentally kind of like understanding the connections you have with other players at the table and how that changes over the course of this experience of first contact um, and how you change over it. And so... Figuring out like how to represent connection in a way that felt organic and alien and didn't use any kind of human-based writing systems was the was the inspiration for this. So it has this gnarly board uh, that has like like Kukon was saying like a tenderly almost like like it's like soap network inspired and um, chasm that you can That's stare like into.
2: Soap networky, soapy, tenderly stuff
1: smoky bits
2: but also very twirly and deliberate and beautiful when it comes to the symbols yeah it's it's uh it's weird by design
1: (laughs) so so to answer your question it looks different than than dialect
0: (laughs) that is perfectly okay i think it's a perfect place to stop when we got y'all had so many great sentences there we had i mean human connections through networks we you said gnarly and then <laughs> hakan finished everything out with it's weird so i mean it's <laughs> like i love that so much uh, i'm really looking forward to it uh just to see what you what you all are gonna be bringing this time so mm-hmm. it's, it's gonna be really cool so before we really wrap up though uh final social media plugs where can people find you or if they want to find out more about xeno language so uh, Catherine where can people find you on the internet
1: yeah um, they can find uh, Thorny Gains uh, typically on Instagram or we're on Facebook um, we have uh, like perfunctory Twitter up that we have never posted to and never will <laughs> um, but, <laughs> um, but in case people do want to follow it there they can uh, and then um, uh, I am in, as an individual I'm on Twitter um, as uh, at Chica LaShaw C-H-I-C-A-L-A-S-H A-W
0: Perfect. And Hakan, what about yourself? And I have the very boring, boring Twitter moniker of
2: just HSA, uh old academic username, I think. But no. Um, but really, the place to find all of our stuff is uh, on our website, ThornyGames.com, which is like the ultimate source of truth.
0: Absolutely. We will include uh, the links to find Thorny Games in our show notes. Um, And then uh, once that Kickstarter is live, we will be sure to share with you all that Kickstarter link. So uh, uh, once again, this has been Tom with the RPG Academy. Uh, Catherine and Hakan. thank you so much for uh, reaching out and wanting to chat. Appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having us. Great chatting with you, Tom.
2: Great chatting with you, Tom.
0: Appreciate it. And do not forget, as always, folks, um, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Thanks.
3: Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize, but there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or Drive RPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus mini invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show, because honestly, that's enough. Thanks, and remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time.